Well, thank you so much. Thank you, choir, for sharing this morning, and thank you, our praise team. That's a beautiful song there. It really speaks to your heart, make room in your heart. And thank all of you for worshiping this morning, and we pray that God was honored and glorified. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we want to look at uh, verse 8 through verse 19 as our text as I share with you a sermon that I've simply entitled Angels and Shepherds or Shepherds and Angels. Shepherds and Angels. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 through 19. Luke 2 verse 8. And they were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Verse 15, And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. This morning we celebrated the second Sunday of Advent by lighting the shepherd's candle. And as I was thinking about this Sunday and the the shepherd's candle, I thought it would be good for us if we could see the importance that the shepherds played or would play in the birth of the Lord Jesus. And so if you're jotting down notes, taking an outline or something, if you would just jot down, you have an angelic visitation, verse 8 and 9. Look at verse 8 and 9. They... We're in the same country, shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. If you remember, prior to angels visiting the shepherds, you had an angel that visited Zacharias, the husband of Elizabeth, and shared with Zacharias how he would become a father, Elizabeth would become a mother in their old age. Then you had the appearance of an angel as an angel visited Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. 
Then you had the appearance of an angel that appeared to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. And now on a hillside uh, in Judea, on the night of the birth of Christ, you have another angelic appearance to a group of shepherds. Now you'll need to remember that a shepherd was perhaps the most unlikely person that one would think would receive the first birth announcement that the Savior of the world had been born. They were, first of all, they were social outcasts. They were uh, social outcasts. They were religious outcasts. They, their work made them ceremonially unclean. They, not, they would not bathe for days and for weeks, perhaps months, and they lived in the fields with the shepherds. Their work kept them ceremonially unclean. Their work kept them from going to the temple for weeks and weeks so they could never be made clean. So they were social outcasts, religiously and in society. However, with all of that said, God chose not to announce the birth of His Son to some king or to kings or to, to rulers or to governors. He didn't choose to announce the birth to the rich or to the wealthy. But He calls the poor. He reaches out to the poor, to the lowly, to the outcast. It was uh, a call to those that Others would never dream that he would have announced the birth of Christ first too. He reached out to the poor and lowly. Jesus, uh, it was coming for Jesus to reach out to the lowly and the poor and the outcast. You remember he reached out to a woman that was called in the act of adultery. He reached out to a woman at a well who had seven husbands and did not even know the name of the husband that she had at that time. He reached out to a tax collector by the name of Matthew. He reached out to a murderer named Saul of Tarsus. He reached out and touched those that were diseased with leprosy. Jesus had, is very common for him to reach out to those that were looked upon as uh, outcasts of society. And so this morning we read where God reaches out to the shepherd, to the lowly shepherd, but not only to the shepherd, but he reaches out to you, regardless of your situation. He reached out to the shepherds. He reaches out to you, regardless what your situation in life is, regardless how poor you might be, or regardless how wealthy you might be, or what you consider yourself to be. So first of all, God reached out through this angelic announcement to the shepherds. And so first you have this angelic visitation to the shepherds. But notice also you have an angelic message. Look, if you will, uh, in, ver in chapter 2. If you'll notice there in verse 10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so they have this message that they shared with the shepherds. Visualize just a moment on this Judean night as these shepherds sat around watching their flock, talking perhaps quietly to each other, and then perhaps talking quietly to their sheep, 
Uh, the correct word, they say, is cooing with their sheep, a language that the shepherd and the sheep only knew. It soothed them, it soothed the sheep, it calmed the sheep. And they're just sitting there talking and talking to each other and cooing their sheep. And suddenly you have an angel appear there in verse 9. It came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were so afraid. They were bathed. The shepherds were bathed in the Shekinah glory of God. The light. Literally the light of another world. Literally the light that heralded the divine presence of God. Exodus chapter 24 verse 16 speaks of that glory. It says, And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And you're speaking about the, the Shekinah glory of God appearing here to these shepherds. The point, they were bathed in the Shekinah glory of God, and they were filled with fear. I can't imagine what that would have been like. Verse 11 says, The message for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. So the point is, God sent man what man needed. God meets us where our needs are. God sent a Savior. He sent a Savior. He meets us where we are. He may meet us in our homes. He may meet us uh, in our in a field, they were in a field. Charles Messer used to share how God met him in a, in a, in a cornfield, I believe it was, is a field. And he was out, and, and God spoke to him. And he knew it was God. It was not an audible voice, but he knew it was God. God may meet you at church during an invitation hymn or when you come in. God may meet you at work. He may meet you at school. He may meet you on the job. He may have even met you in jail. Doug Behrman has a fantastic testimony how God met him in jail. So God meets us where we are. Remember Kyle. Kyle got saved and he was in the bathtub. All of a sudden God spoke to him. About that, our daughter got saved at a tent revival. I had a sofa in the old building. I have a sofa in this building in my study in there. There's a lot of people been saved on the sofa. Be careful if you're lost and sit on my sofa. God has met a lot of people on the sofa. Or it may be, you know, uh, I can remember years ago uh, uh, stopping at a fruit stand up across from First State Bank. That's been a long time ago. And a lady, Terry, by the name of Jay Orrick, uh, was watching her fruit stand there. And I began to share with Jay about Christ. And I asked her, would she kneel right there on the sidewalk by the traffic light, Andrew, and ask Christ to come into her life and save her? And she said she would. And right there by the traffic light where traffic was stopping, God met Jay Orrick at a fruit stand. And she asked him to come into her life and save her. Now, I know you have a particular place where God met you. And there's a place where God wants to meet you, and it may be here today. And so God meets us where we are. Unto you, unto you is born this day. Unto you, it's a personal message. Unto you is born this day. It's a personal message to the poor, to the poorest, or to the rich, or to the richest. A Savior is born. 
You see, God sent to man what man needed. We needed a Savior. He didn't send us a house, and he didn't send us a car, and he didn't send us a bass boat, and he didn't send us cell phones and the iPad and all these gadgets we have now. He didn't think we needed those. The most important thing God felt we needed and still need today is a Savior. Now, you may have all that other stuff, but what good is it when it comes to leaving this world without Jesus? You need a Savior. So mankind needed a Savior then, and mankind needs a Savior now, and He's available now. You don't have to wait any longer. And the message same was, was the same to the shepherds. You don't have to wait any longer for the Messiah. There's a Savior. Savior's been born in Bethlehem. Now who's that Savior? Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's the Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Not Buddha, not Mohammed, not yourself, not any man-made God. It's Jesus Christ the Lord. And so you have an angelic visit, you have an angelic message, and you have an angelic sign. Look at this, verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now signs were very important in the early uh, biblical days. You had uh, seas that turned to blood. You had sun, the sun that stood still. You had a sundial, a shout on the sundial that stopped, and then it moved backward. All of these were signs that God was working. And if the shepherds thought they ever needed a sign, they needed a sign now. So the angel said, this is the sign. Verse 11. Verse 12. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's your sign. Go to Bethlehem, and you'll find a babe, a mom, a dad, a babe, lying in a manger. That's your sign. And so you have the sign. And then, number four, you're jotting down notes, you have this angelic praise, verse 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So we have this angelic praise. Now, singing is not new to angels. Angels have sung throughout the Bible. Uh, we're told in Job chapter 38, verse 7, how the angels broke out into praise when they saw the creation of the world. We're told also in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, how, how the, the highest glory of praise in heaven is when a person comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. That's the highest praise. That's the highest glory to God. Heaven rejoices over one person coming to know Christ. And so they broke out into this praise. Glory to God in the highest. Peace, goodwill toward men. Peace, shalom, peace. The word peace here means well-being and healthy and prosperity and security and completeness. It was no different then than it is today. Taxes were high then or today. Unemployment was high. Getting higher back then. 
and it has gotten better today, but still there's a high rate of unemployment. A military state was in control. We haven't reached that level. The Roman law, Greek philosophy, Jewish religion couldn't meet the needs of a human heart then, and it can't meet the needs of a human heart now. But in all of that, God sent his son. He sent his son. Glory to God in the highest. Peace, goodwill toward men. They had peace. They'd not had peace or seen peace since the fall of mankind in the garden. But now people could have peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. One of my favorite verses. It just simply says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. They experienced, they had an opportunity to experience peace. Peace. So peace is made possible by the one in the manger. And uh, they could, you can experience peace. Then Christ would make peace at the cross for us. If you remember there at the crucifixion as Jesus hung on the cross. Ephesians 2 verse 13 reminds us that there's... But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So once we were far away from God, but now we're close to God. In verse 14, he has become our peace. Chapter 2, for he is our peace who hath made both one, hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. And so you have the angelic visitation, the angelic message, the angelic sign, the angelic praise. And then we'll close with the shepherd's decision. Notice what it is. Verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. So they made a decision. Let's get up. Let's go to Bethlehem. The Bible says that they, they came with haste. They made a beeline if you would, to Bethlehem. And when they get to Bethlehem, there was the man, there was the woman, there's the child in a manger in swaddling clothes. So first decision, they went to Bethlehem. But secondly, out of the stable, what did they do? Verse 17. <clears throat> Verse 17 says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the sayings which were told them concerning the child. They went into the stable. They saw the sign. Babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They left the stable, and what did they do? They spread around the whole area of what they had witnessed. So wherever the shepherds went, they told the tale about Bethlehem. And the last time you should see the shepherds, last time they're mentioned in scriptures in verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen as it was told to them. Glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and what had been done. Now let's look real quick at some lessons from the shepherds. I jotted these down that I noticed. You may have noticed some others. First of all, they received by faith the message that God sent them. They received by faith the message that God sent them. God sends a message today. The message is that all of us are sinners. Without Christ, we'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
there's two, only two places at death. There's an eternal life for those who have trusted Christ. There's eternal, eternal death for those who reject Christ. That's the message. Now, the shepherd received their message and obeyed quickly in obedience. They received by faith the message God sent, and then they responded by, number two, immediate obedience. They got up and they went to Bethlehem. Would you be willing to respond today if God spoke into your heart and, and this morning says, listen, you're lost. If you should die today, you wouldn't have a home in heaven. But my son came and died on the cross as your substitute to give you forgiveness of sin and a home in heaven if you'll only turn to him and trust him for your salvation and nothing else. Would you be willing to obey in obedience today, respond in obedience? And then notice, after discovering the Savior, they reported the good news to others. You know what they did? They literally took the place of the angels. The angels brought the good news to them, and then after they heard the good news, they began to tell others. They returned to their work, number four. New men going back to their old jobs, telling others about Jesus. Now, for whatever reason, shepherds were never allowed to testify in court. Uh, they, they were never called to be a witness. But the ironic thing is this, that God allowed the shepherds, those that no one would ever allow to testify in court, God allowed them to be the first witnesses of the prophecy being fulfilled that the Messiah had been born. There's so much to learn from the angels and the shepherds. The point is telling others about the Savior is really an obligation that all of us have a privilege to share. And so let me encourage you today. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, I pray that today you'll experience Christmas in a new and different way when you trust Jesus as the Savior of the world. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence, just focus upon the angels and the shepherds and the lessons that we've learned. I pray for every person here. Some people celebrate the season, but they've never had a relationship with the Savior. And I pray, Father, today that you've spoken to hearts and they'd be willing to obey your Holy Spirit. And as you draw them to you today, I pray they'd be willing to, to step forward, Lord, and turn from their sin and turn to you, Lord, for their salvation. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation time. Thank you for speaking to the shepherds. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for the personal message that you have for each of us. We pray, Lord, that we would respond in obedience. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.